Well, this is a different voice than you're used to hearing. This is Connie Sullivan, and today my guest is Kevin Kalacki, the CEO of Cenocera Capital, and we are here today to talk about our firm's values. So, Kevin, before we get started, I thought it would be interesting for you to share with us how the derivation of the values came about. Well, first of all, Connie, thank you for hosting me on the podcast today. It's a little odd to be uh, the guest on the Cenocera Capital Uncorrelated Minds podcast, but it's wonderful. Um, the genesis of the core values actually came from a breakfast that I was having with my very, very good friend, Chris Williston, uh, who is the CEO of Independent Bankers Association of Texas. And I was telling him about the formation of the company and the things that I wanted to do and all of the ins and outs of running the business. And he stopped me at breakfast. We were having breakfast downtown. He said, before you get into that, let me stop you and let me ask you, what, what are the values of Cenus Era Capital? I said, well, what do you mean, what are the values? And they're my values. And he goes, well, what are they? And I said, well, you know, like, be good and be a good person and do the right thing. He goes, no, no, Kevin, you have to write your values down and make sure everyone at your firm knows and understands those values. Otherwise, whatever you tolerate will become the values of your firm. And that struck me like a bolt of lightning. And I said, you're 100% correct. Uh, fortunately, he gave me another book that was written by a gentleman that had kind of chronicled the history of Happy State Bank from the panhandle of Texas. He's involved with bankers. And it talked about how Happy State has always had their values and have always lived by them and all of their employees adhere to them and live by them. And he said, you, you have to look at this because it's these values that allowed this little panhandle bank to grow up to a big bank in Texas. You know, the town of Happy is, is very much in the middle of nowhere for most people who know the panhandle. Um, and so I really took it and dove in and I, I took the time to say, you know, what is really important to how we interact with our families that we serve and how we interact with each other and how we interact with the community. And so I really struck through it. And, and for those who know the story of Cena Sarah, where it comes from, it's the... We're, well, we're going to get to that. So We're going to get to that. Okay, good, good. Well, it's really profound advice. And I, I guess we have Chris to thank because not only did you work on the values, but they're prominently displayed on our website. And we've had a number of clients refer to them and comment on them. So it's been a really great, great aspect of our firm's message. Yeah, I think that's been a really neat experience is when we're meeting with new families and they say, hey, I noticed on your website your values. Well, the first value is that our culture and values are in our name. And of course, this is the question we get all the time. Yeah. What is Cena Sarah Capital? Give us the story. Yeah, so the, the Cena Sarah is uh, the Latin roots for the word sincere. It's actually Cine and Sarah. So if you were to pronounce it out, it would be Cine Sarah Capital. But Cena Sarah Capital rolls off the tongue a little easier, so we go with that. So years ago, uh, my father taught me the Latin roots to the word sincere, being sine and Sarah, and he said, do you know what they mean? And I said, I don't know what they mean. He said, well, sine means without, and Sarah means without wax. And years ago during Roman and Greek times, sculptors would make marble sculptures for patrons, and the unscrupulous ones, if they broke it or chipped it, would actually take marble dust, melt wax into it, and conceal the flaw. But the ones who were very true artists, ones who were delivering pure sculpted pieces of marble with no flaws and no defects, would deliver it to their patrons and say, it's sine sera, or if it's, it's without wax. 
And that's where we ended up getting that Latin root for. And as I thought about this industry, and I often talk with Adam, our CIO, and we're, we always joke around that we don't like 90% of the people in our industry because we, we think they're people who would melt wax into marble dust and conceal flaws. And so um, it really became the basis of not just who we were, but it was an ode to our fiduciary capacity, our obligation to our clients, but it's also an ode to who we are as people. I mean, that is the probably the guiding light of any new employer partner at the firm is that they have that fiduciary built into their heart, not just on the legal contract. Mm-hmm. Well, that actually feeds beautifully into my second question, which is about the second value. We are professional problem solvers and fiduciaries. And for our listeners, you may want to really explain what it means to be a fiduciary in this business as opposed to a non-fiduciary. Yeah, I, I think the... Uh, most people hear that term and they think of maybe a trustee or someone who's taken over uh, possession of assets for a family. Um, but fiduciary means anyone who has a responsibility to care for someone else like themselves. Uh, in our business, there's actually two standards of care. Most people don't realize that. Uh, there's a suitability standard and a fiduciary standard. Uh, if you were to boil that down to the most simple terms, uh, suitability standard, the, the defining factor is can they afford it? Can the client afford what I'm recommending? The fiduciary factor says, is this what's best for my client? And that's the big difference between being a fiduciary and uh, someone adhering to the suitability center, like a broker, really someone who's selling you something as opposed to giving you advice. And I think that really goes into being core problem solvers. Most of the families that come to us seek us because they actually have an issue they're trying to solve within the family. It could be I need to make sure I gift this money to the next generation properly, or I just haven't had a good investment experience, and and I don't think I really understand risk, or I don't think my manager really understands risk or understands what I'm trying to accomplish with my money. And so for us, they don't, they're, they're hand in glove, right? You're, being a fiduciary and being a problem solver are, are put together. People under the suitability standard, all only really their only real goal is to get the paycheck, is to right. get the sale. And of course, everybody's had experience with the typical broker dealer to understand the difference. Yeah. Now, our firm takes the term and the concept of fiduciary a little bit broader than most. With some, it's just investing their money, but we take a much broader view of caring for our families. Might want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, it even goes further into really, Connie, what you do, leading our family office services group. It, it it almost seems like you're just a task group getting things done. But when you really get down to it, we're taking care of clients' parents. I mean, you're going to their house and you're spending time with them and you're getting to know them even as they're aging. And that really brings a level of comfort to our clients that we're not just taking care of them, but their families, you know, another making sure the bills get paid and the lights stay on all those different things. And we're, we're looking out for their interests in a broader sense too, in terms of perhaps doing an insurance review and recommending a higher level of care with the insurance policies that are placed. We've done the same with banking and bringing to our clients better banking relationships, whether it's on the deposit side or securitized back, lines of credit. Yeah. And I think it goes into very much our view of when we make those recommendations, we're not getting compensated to send the clients to that certain bank or to do that specific insurance review, but we know that that's a problem they have that needs to be solved. And so those other firms where we send those, we view it as a partnership. 
I mean, we view that as a very, very close relationship to us. So we spend a lot of time getting to know those partners and diligencing them to understand, you know, how do you treat your clients? Do you think of yourself as a fiduciary, even if you may not be legally, is it on your heart to be a fiduciary too? And Kevin, I think in terms of your work with so many entrepreneurs, you've taken a real interest even pre-exit in making sure that their planning is done properly and that they are really well protected as they go into those transactions. Yeah, I think staying out in front of an exit for an entrepreneur is is of paramount importance because so much is often left on the table in terms of tax savings and in terms of real savings from a deal structure. They may not have the right team in place. They may not have the right trust structures in place to receive the assets from the sale ahead of time, moving certain assets outside of the estate, keeping some assets inside of the estate. And it's really difficult sometimes because you don't want to be the person who comes in and for lack of a more technical term, squirrels up the sale, you know, but at the end of the day, when the entrepreneurs come in and they see that you've really created a structure that's best for them and they're still able to accomplish their goals, the value is, is almost unending. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course it really is different than a lot of other wealth managers who just sit back and wait for the phone call after the transaction is completed and the money's in the bank. Exactly. Well, I wanted to move ahead some of our values to one that I think is particularly unique to our firm, and that is that solving the problems we create is not good customer service. There's several layers to that, Kevin, but why don't you start with your initial reaction to it? There are several layers to that. Now, I'll I'll give an ode. I actually have a former co-worker from uh, a trust company, which will not be named, but I'm sure you can dig enough to find out who it is. Um, And I, I, I... plagiarize this one from him along the way is that a lot of times when you get into those bigger organizations and something goes wrong and then the team comes together and solves the problem and everyone's standing around patting themselves on the back it's like oh we did it we solved the problem and then someone's like but we created the problem (laughs) it was a mistake on our part and so I think it's really good as a team to say the most important thing here is to fix the problem as quickly as possible. It's not to pat each other on the back and say, hey, we did a good job. And then after that, it's kind of doing a review of what happened. It's because we're not perfect. We can make mistakes. If we do, we're going to fix them very quickly. And more importantly, we're going to learn from them. And we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, another layer of this is really has to do with the fact that we have built our firm almost like a virtual firm in order to provide the wide array of services that we provide. We've created relationships with outside service providers, and we extend that notion to those service providers. So solving the problems they create, as far as our clients are concerned, are problems we've created. created. Correct. So given that, Kevin, I'd love for you to discuss the process that we go through in identifying our service providers and managing those relationships. Yeah, I think ultimately the number one reason we end up working with the service provider is that either we have a relationship with them, working with them in the past, or one of our clients currently works with them or has worked with them. Uh, To us, that's really a good first step in the vetting process for those vendors. And I think the second step is meeting with them, getting to know them, and ensure that the leadership of their firm has the same type of fiduciary heart that we operate with in in our business. There's another uh, one of our values that dovetails with that nicely, and it is assume noble intent. Yes. 
that was, uh, again, another one that just from my experience of sitting on boards and running through uh, some really tough times, and Connie and I were actually on the opera board together when this one came into my life. And uh, it actually came from Jeff Kodosky, one of the founders of National Instruments. And he said it was really important for he and his three found his other two founders of National Instruments early on that as they were working on things in the company and working and solving problems, much like we do, that there was a recognition that not everyone was going to approach that problem the same way, but that everyone needed to have a recognition that we were all pushing towards the same goal. And so whenever we have a conflict within the firm, between partners, between coworkers, we have to assume noble intent. So in other words, we have to assume that even if we disagree with somebody, we're all trying to, to get to a solution for a client that is the best outcome for them. And if we keep that on our minds, then it's a lot easier to have conflict. And oftentimes that conflict produces the best outcome. I think that's very true. You know, we have 12 values on our posted on our website, Kevin. But if you had to pick two or three, which are your favorites? Yeah, I think one of my absolute favorites is that happiness is circumstantial and joy is a purposeful choice. I'm glad um, you chose that. Happiness is, uh, a friend of mine said, happiness happens to you, joy happens because of you. And so I know a lot of very joyful people who, who don't have a lot. Um, in fact, I was talking with one of our families and uh, before COVID hit, they used to travel to Africa every year to an orphanage. And she said, Kevin, these kids are the happiest human beings I've ever met. And they're all orphans at an orphanage in Africa with dirt floors and rundown soccer balls and but stick joyful. nets. But they're absolutely joyful. They, their lives are full of joy. They have wonderful relationships amongst themselves. And, uh, and then I think she came back. She said, and then I taught the Sunday school class. And I said, these kids are a bunch of brats. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but I, I think it really goes to, you know, joy comes from the inside and happiness comes from the outside. Uh, man, if I were to pick a second one, what would a second one be? I mean, I think it would really just go to the basis of the values. It is, you know, we were founded upon Christian values. You know, both myself and our, our other five founding families all come from Christian backgrounds. And it, it is really, it's that foundation that we draw uh, our values of sincerity, integrity, moral character, and respect. And I think it's all helped shape our lives so that we can then execute on a second mission of being a Christian, and that is to serve everybody. Uh, is We don't just serve Christians. We serve everyone regardless of their backgrounds. And our job is to help them solve problems and make the world a better place. In fact, we have another value that is every human being is valuable. Every human being is valuable, and that one comes from the Christian values, and it goes a, a lot to, you know, how we see people, and I, it goes to how you treat people as well. And, and one thing that I'm very much a stickler on is that, you know, we treat everyone who walks through that door, whether they're here to change a light bulb or to become our largest client, they all get treated with respect and dignity because in my values as a Christian, and that person is valuable. And as in and of themselves, they're valuable because in my eyes, they were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, I can't think of a better way to wrap up than with that, Kevin. It's, um, it's fun to talk about something that was intentional at the beginning and has been a, a theme throughout the development of the firm. Um, our values 
are as important to us as any of the work that we do. Yeah. So thanks for sharing your thoughts on that today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun to see how people have responded to these. And again, like you said, one of my favorite things is when someone calls in and they said, hey, I read your values. Uh, That's when I know a really good conversation will ensue. Absolutely. Thanks, Connie. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Uncorrelated Minds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit the show notes page for links to further information at www.sinaceracapital.com. Sinacera Capital is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Sinacera and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational and information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and it should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or offer to sell a security. It does not take into account any investor's particular investment objectives, strategies, tax status, or investment horizon. You should consult your attorney or tax advisor. All information has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy, reliability, or completeness of, or liability for, decisions based on such information, and it should not be relied on as such. The views expressed in this commentary are subject to change based on market and other conditions. These documents may contain certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking statements. Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance, and actual results or developments may differ materially from those projected. Any projections, market outlooks, or estimates are based upon certain assumptions and should not be construed as indicative of actual events that will occur.